Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's Q&A Tuesday and today a lot of our questions are about travel, sleeping in other places, having your little one sleep on the go and it's not surprising to me because I always get these kinds of questions in the summertime. So when we are at a time of year when we want to be traveling, we want to be staying out late, we want to be visiting people, we don't want to be confined to our houses, we really want to just enjoy the great weather, have a great time and so this is often when we get the questions about how do we keep sleep on track when we want to go have fun and not be trapped by the nap or not be confined to a particular bedtime. So a bunch of the questions today focus on that. So let's dive in. First question for today that I got, this one I think was from a Q&A that I did on Instagram a few weeks ago that I didn't have time to answer that day, so I threw it into the mix for today's Q&A session. And the question was, what if your baby has an unexpected car nap that's not on schedule? So I'm guessing what's happening here is we have just had a nap at home and now we are in the car, we're on the way to someone's house or on the way home from an appointment or an activity and it's not time for the child's next nap yet and yet they fall asleep in the car. And this is really common because the car is kind of a sleep prop, the motion of it. Whether you are walking your baby with a baby carrier on, whether you are in the car and the motion of that is putting your baby to sleep or you're having a walk in the stroller and the motion of that is putting your baby to sleep. It's that motion. It's that lulling that's getting your baby to go to sleep. So often a baby will fall asleep in the car or the stroller at a time when they wouldn't normally have been having a nap at home in the crib because that motion is lulling them to sleep. And it can really mess up the rest of the day if your child has an unscheduled car nap, but we have to live our lives and we just have to go with it sometimes because we can't just be confined to the house all the time for naps because we we are worried that our child is going to fall asleep in the car. So what do we do if our child has an unexpected car nap that's not on schedule? We go with the flow. We might need an earlier bedtime that night because the naps got pushed forward in the day. So if it is a time when your child's not scheduled to have a nap and they've already fallen asleep in the car, what I don't suggest you do is let them have a five or 10 minute power nap in the car, then go home and try to put them straight into the crib because your child just had a power nap and they are probably just going to scream at you if you go home and put them in the crib after that. They've had not nearly enough sleep to call it a nap, but enough sleep that they don't have any sleep pressure left for a crib nap and they're probably just gonna yell at you. So I would suggest that you just continue to drive around and let them have a decent length of nap in the car. Go through a drive-through, get yourself a coffee, drive around, enjoy the scenery, enjoy the break, you know, turn on some music that you like and let your child have a decent nap in the car, call that their nap, and then when they wake up, go home and do a full awake period, a full normal awake period for your child to their next nap and put them down at home. Or if it was their last nap of the day that that happened for, do a full awake period and then bedtime. 
because it was an unscheduled nap and it happened earlier than you meant it to, that might mean that they also need an earlier bedtime that night because their naps ended earlier in the day, and that's okay. I definitely don't recommend putting any baby to bed earlier than 6 p.m., but 6 p.m. might be necessary if naps have gotten a little bit messed up that day, and it's okay. It's just one day. We can bounce back from it. We need to get out of the house. We need to have lives. We need to go to appointments. We need to see friends, and so it's okay if there's an unscheduled car nap sometimes. Just drive around let the nap happen, bump the day forward a little bit, a bit of an earlier bedtime if needed. Next question. This one is about toddlers and moving from the crib to the bed. So this parent asks, where do I start when I'm moving a toddler from a crib to a bed? He's almost three years of age. I've talked about crib to bed transition a lot because you know I'm pretty passionate about keeping children in a crib for as long as you can. Uh, particularly until at least three years of age, even three and a half is better for most children. Move your child to a big kid bed when they have some reasoning skills. And that usually doesn't happen till around the age of three, often even closer to three and a half. Some children have those higher level of reasoning skills and that higher level of you know, comprehension around two and a half years of age. So the transition can go smoothly for some children at that point, but usually three, three and a half is even better to be moving from the crib to the bed. So this parent asked, where do I start? So in terms of the transition, get your child involved in it. When they are ready to move to a big kid bed, if you don't already have a bed that was given to you or a hand-me-down from someone and you're getting a new bed anyway, have your child be involved in the process. Have them give some input into their bed or take them out shopping for their new bed. Having them get involved in it will make them feel really important. Toddlers and preschoolers love the decision-making process and being part of that process and not just being told this is how it's going to be all the time. We do tell our little ones what to do and how it's going to be done a lot. We have to. We're parents. But when we can involve them in decision making processes. They really love that. So have them help pick out their new bed if you can. Have them pick out some new bedding. Maybe your child's super, super, super into Paw Patrol or trucks or princesses or whatever it might be. Maybe they would love to get some bed sheets of that theme and that's going to get them really excited about sleeping in and staying in their big kid bed. Have a conversation with your child about this new bed and about how even though the sleep environment has changed, the way that we manage sleep has not and their bedtime routine stays the same and the expectations about going into bed quietly and falling asleep quietly still remain the same. And with those ideas in place, your child can make the transition quite smoothly. I really do like a bedtime routine chart. This can also be a good time to implement this. It can be really fun for your child and help them understand, okay, again, the bed has changed. It's not a crib anymore. It's a bed, but all the steps of my bedtime routine seem the same. And I can now even visualize the steps of my bedtime routine with this bedtime chart that we've created. So what you're going to do if you want to create that bedtime routine chart for your toddler or your preschooler is get a big piece of paper or almost like a piece of Bristol board and print off some photos of your child doing each step of their bedtime routine. You can go online and get some little, you know, images from online, some little cartoon images if you like, but children really love seeing pictures of themselves. So getting some pictures printed off of your child, you know, in the bath, sitting on the potty if they're doing the potty now, brushing their teeth, sitting on your lap reading books, 
putting their pajamas on, doing each element of their bedtime routine can really help to get them excited about it because it's them and they love seeing pictures of themselves. So get those pictures printed off, put them on this piece of paper or Bristol board that you have gotten and get that laminated. So leave a little spot beside each picture or under each picture for a sticker, which we'll talk about in a moment, and go get that piece of Bristol board with the pictures on it laminated. So now you have sort of a permanent bedtime routine chart and you're not always going to have to be creating a new one. And then while you're gone getting that laminated, before you leave, print off a sheet of your child's favorite characters. Again, Paw Patrol, dinosaurs, princesses, print off a sheet of those characters and take that with you and get that sheet laminated too. Get yourself some Velcro or some sticky tack and then cut out those little characters individually and now you've made yourself some reusable stickers. And now each night when you're doing your child's bedtime routine before they're about to get in their big kid bed, you can go through this chart with them and they can put a sticker on the chart for each element of their routine. This can get them excited about the bedtime routine and it can make the routine run a little more smoothly because they are excited about the next step of it. So, okay, we're done in the bath. We're gonna put our little sticky tack sticker on our bedtime chart. Done on the potty, same thing. Done brushing our teeth, sticker goes on. Done putting our pajamas on, there's the sticker. We're finished our books, last sticker, and now we're going to climb into bed. So that can be a nice way to get your child excited about their bedtime routine. If they seem a little bit off about the idea of this big kid bed and it seems a little bit daunting, this can be a fun new thing to introduce to make them more interested in it and excited in the process. If your child has never had a comfort object before, this can also be a good time to introduce one. You know, amidst the big change of the big kid bed, your child might be longing for items that provide comfort, like a favorite blankie or stuffy. So if they already use one, great, continue to use it. If they don't, it might be a nice time to introduce one and really try to make sure that it's just that one stuffy. A lot of times when we move out of the crib and into the bed, the bed becomes a little bit of a zoo, a little bit of a stuffy zoo where we have a lot of different stuffed animals and toys in the bed and that just promotes playtime and not sleep time. So I would suggest you just allow one stuffy in the bed for some comfort, but not a whole bunch of toys that might be kind of distracting. So those are some ways that you can get your child ready for that transition to the big kid bed to make it a little more smooth. Next question I got was about tips for sleep training a baby when they share a room with an older sibling. Great question. My answer is that I would sleep train the baby in a different room and then once the baby is a great sleeper, move them in with their sibling. Or if they're already sharing a room, displace one of the children during sleep coaching and get your baby to be a great sleeper and then move the baby and the older child back together once the baby is a great sleeper and isn't going to be disrupting your older child's sleep all night long. It depends on your family situation. If you think that your older child might enjoy a camp out in mom and dad's room or a camp out in the basement with a parent for a little bit while you do sleep training with your baby, then you could leave the baby in the bedroom and have your older child do a camp out with a parent somewhere in the house while you're doing sleep coaching with the baby. If you feel like that's going to be too unsettling for your older child and it might create a habit that you don't want to create with your, say, three or four-year-old, you don't want them to think that all of a sudden they now sleep in mom and dad's room or sleep in the basement, then you might want to move the baby's crib to a different room like the guest room or your own room and do your sleep coaching there and then move the baby back in with 
his or her sibling when sleep coaching is done and your baby is sleeping great and taking good naps and sleeping through the night and they're not going to be disrupting their older sibling. So those are my suggestions about that. Probably want to do the sleep coaching in a different room and then move them back together once everyone's sleeping well. The last couple of questions are again about sleeping elsewhere. So about travel, about on the go naps and that kind of thing. So the first one was how to get the baby to fall asleep in a playpen at someone else's house. The first attempt took us 45 minutes to get her to go to sleep. You got to give it some time. You've got to give it some practice. Usually or a lot of the time when a baby is already a really good sleeper and has really strong sleep skills, they'll be okay going down at someone else's house. It usually won't take too long or might not even be an issue at all. But I do suggest that when you're traveling, you take the comforts of home with you so it feels familiar to to your baby. You're going to have a much better chance of them going down more easily at someone else's house if it feels familiar to them. What I mean by that is if your child sleeps in a crib at home, make sure there is a crib or playpen, so a crib-like structure at your destination so it feels familiar to them. If your child is normally sleeps in a nice dark environment, which I do recommend, it's much more conducive to good sleep, then make sure you take a portable blackout blind with you when you are putting your baby down at someone else's house. Especially when you are at someone else's house and your baby's looking around realizing this isn't very familiar to me, this isn't what I'm used to, it's nice to have it really, really dark because then it's less distracting to your child and less obvious that they're in such an unfamiliar place. If your child normally sleeps with a sound machine, make sure you have a little portable sound machine to take with you when you are putting your baby down at someone else's house. Even if your baby doesn't have a sound machine at home, you might want to take one when you're traveling because again, there can be some unfamiliar sounds at that home that your baby's not used to. Or if you are visiting, chances are there is something going on. There's a party, there's a get together, there is more noise than there would normally be. And so you're trying to drown that out while your baby is trying to go to sleep in a guest room in some unfamiliar house. So make it dark, make it quiet, take a playpen or if the family that you're visiting doesn't have a crib so that it feels familiar to your baby and then give it some time. Do what you would normally do at home. Take a few minutes away from the crowd and go and put your baby down the way you normally would. A little routine if you have one at home, their sleep bag, a little song or a story. If you use a levy, make sure you've brought that with you and then place them in their crib and do whatever you normally do to manage your baby's sleep. If your baby ever protests at home for a nap, then manage the protest at someone else's home the same way that you would manage it at your own home and give it some time. Reassure them, be there for them, but try to keep things the way you would at home because the more you treat sleep the same in other places, the way you would treat it at home, the more your baby is going to sleep as well at other places as they do at home. And the final question for today was, do you have some tips on sleeping at grandparents' house for the first time? First time ever, almost two years old. Sorry, that was a little bit fragmented, but that was the question. Do you have tips on sleeping at a grandparent's house for the first time ever? Child is almost two years old. So this, of course, is similar to the previous question in terms of how do we get our baby to fall asleep at someone else's house, but I'm going to add something particular when we're talking about grandparents or relatives. So same answer as before in terms of the sleep environment. Don't forget all the normal sleep stuff. Help your baby feel familiar and comfortable in their sleep environment with the comforts of home. Dark, quiet, no distractions, lovey if they use one, sleep bag if they use one, all that great stuff. But when it comes to 
putting your baby down at a grandparent's house? This question is worded in a way that suggests to me that we're talking about the grandparents putting the child down. So the two-year-old is staying with his grandparents without his parents for the first time. And what we really need to impress upon grandma and or grandpa in that case is that this is our child's bedtime routine. This is our child's bedtime, the time that they go to bed every night. And this is how we manage it if our child protests bedtime or has particular demands on certain nights at bedtime or is just particularly difficult at bedtime. Of course, there have to have been situations when at your home, your two-year-old has been difficult at bedtime. If not, give me a call and tell me how you've raised a two-year-old who's never protesting at bedtime because most toddlers, even great sleepers who normally go to bed just fine, have the off night here and there where they protest. So you know how you manage that when it happens. You need to explain to grandma and grandpa how that works at your house and you need to ask them to make it work the same way at their house because it's difficult if grandma and or grandpa treat sleep a whole lot differently at their house than you do at your house and then your two-year-old comes back from a few nights of staying at his grandparents and has really different expectations at home about what you're going to do at bedtime at your house because grandma and grandpa did it a whole different way. So you really want to help them understand what it is that you do for your bedtime routine, what time your child normally goes to bed so he's not overtired, and how you manage things at bedtime at your house and ask them to manage it the same way. It can be tough. You know, our grandparents want to do things differently. They want to often do it their way. You know, I've heard grandparents say, this is my right as a grandparent to just do it however I want to do it. And I get that. I'm not a grandparent. So you know what? Maybe I don't get it. But what I do get as a parent is how tough it can be when your child gets confused about different boundaries and ideas and expectations around bedtime, especially when they're a toddler or a preschooler. And they're easily confused about what could happen in different sleep situations. So it's so helpful to everyone involved if grandma and grandpa are fully aware of how sleep goes at your house for your toddler or preschooler and treat sleep the same way at their house. It's easier for you when your child gets home after the visit. It's easier for your child during the visit because they might feel a little uncomfortable at grandma and grandpa's and while bedtime might not always be what your child wants to do right in that moment, It is wonderful for our children to have routines and structure and they really do thrive on it. So if your child is in a less familiar environment like grandma and grandpa's house, even if they're used to going to grandma and grandpa's, they might not be used to sleeping there and they might be a little nervous and they might have a little fear around it because it's just the unfamiliar. But if grandma and grandpa do your child's bedtime routine the same way, the same steps, the same order on the nights when your child is staying with them, then your child is much more likely to feel safe and comfy and familiar in that situation and kind of feel like, you know what? I'm not at home. I know that. I'm not in my own bedroom. I know that. But I'm with with people who love me and I'm with people who I love. And this all feels very familiar to me. All of these steps. This is what we do every night. This is what I do with mom or dad at bedtime every night at home. So I know this means sleep time is coming up, even though I'm not in my familiar environment with my most familiar people. I still feel comfy and good about this because this is how bedtime looks every night. And I feel good about that. And lastly, it's going to be really helpful to the grandparents to know what to expect around your child's bedtime, to know how to do your child's bedtime 
it's possible if this is your two-year-old's first time ever staying at his grandparents that this is their first time doing a toddler's bedtime in many, many, many years. And your parents, the child's grandparents, might be feeling a little bit nervous because this is the first time they've really taken care of a little child overnight in a very long time. And they will probably welcome and appreciate the advice and the steps and the knowledge of how you do bedtime at home. It makes it easier for them to put your child down and it makes it more comfortable for everyone. So don't be afraid to share that information with your parents, with your child's grandparents, when you are leaving your child with them for the first time. It's probably going to go better for everybody if everyone has clear expectations on how bedtime should go and what bedtime looks like for your child and for your family. I hope that was helpful. I hope everyone gets loads of time with friends and family, being outside, having fun this summer and sleep and travel and sleep and on the go naps and sleep and being with your family and friends can go hand in hand. So there's no need to miss out on all the fun stuff because you're worried about your child's sleep schedule. On one hand, we can make sleep happen even on the go. There are lots of ways to do that and we've talked about some of those today. And on the other hand, if once in a while we miss a nap or once in a while bedtime is a little later than usual because we stayed out at that backyard barbecue a little longer, it's okay. Your child is going to bounce back from it and we all need that sometimes, especially right now when we just need to be with each other. So I hope everyone has a great week and I hope everyone's having a wonderful summer and really getting all that time with the people you love. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.